Hello friends, welcome to Soul Fed with Gabby. I'm your host Gabby and I'm so thankful that you tuned in today. This podcast is all about true and real health and wellness. That means we dive so much deeper than the food. We talk about spiritual health, mental health, healing your relationship with food and your body, lifestyle stuff, all of it. This space is open for everyone and all are welcome here. I want this to be a peaceful space for you to come and leave feeling encouraged. I'm so thankful that you're here and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello friends, I just want to hop on really fast and give a little disclaimer. Um, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is a little more on the intense side, I guess you could say, kind of. Um, I just want to let you guys know that I do go into some intense and just some toxic things that happen to me in the industry and I do talk about my eating disorder and just toxic things around that in the modeling industry. So I just want to give that disclaimer. So if you are in a place where you don't feel like these kind of topics would be helpful for you right now in your journey, then I want to encourage you to go listen to something else that will encourage and uplift you. Um, I am very honest in this and I do share some, yeah, like I said, toxic things that happen to me in this industry. So I just want you guys to protect your peace. And I wanted to give this little disclaimer. I don't go into like details with numbers or anything, but just want to give you guys a little heads up about what's coming in this episode. But yeah, protect your peace. Love you guys. I hope you enjoy this episode if you stick around. Hello, beautiful friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy day. I hope you're having a beautiful day whatever day it is when you're listening to this. I feel like I don't know how to start out these episodes. I feel like I start them out the same way. Welcome or welcome back. I hope you're having a beautiful day, whatever day it is, but it's true. Um, Also, I don't know how to start it, but I hope your day's been beautiful and I hope you're taking care of yourself. I like to start out these episodes just with a little update for you guys and just keep it personal too. So if you don't care about (laughs) this, you can skip through and get to the actual part of the episode, it's probably going to be like three-ish minutes or so. But anyway, I just wanted to share where I'm at in life right now. And honestly, life has been a lot for me, a lot of really beautiful, a lot. I just feel like that's been my life the past year. I've just kind of been, not year, since like the second half of 2022, I've just been kind of like wrecked by the Lord in beautiful ways in difficult ways and painful ways, but it's like all beautiful because it's healing and it's refining. But I've just been walking through a season of deep healing with the Lord recently, and it's just proven to be a lot. And I've just been feeling a little exhausted by it. Um, Yesterday, I did an inner healing session, which was new for me. Never done that before. But this particular place, it's called True Hope. If you're in the Woodlands area, I highly recommend Houston area. Um, But it's called True Hope. And essentially what they do is they, it's a three hour long session and they kind of ask you to share your story, share your struggles, and then they invite the Lord into those struggles. And so like deep wounds, like I went way back to my childhood and just like, where was, where do you think the Lord was in that situation? What do you think he was saying to you in that situation? And do you need to forgive yourself? Do you need to forgive someone else? Let's, let's pray that prayer of forgiveness for yourself or for someone else right now. And just like really going deep and inviting the Lord into these wounds that you have so he can heal them and close the doors. And, um, it's just, it was so, so beautiful. The session was, and I came out of it and I was like, wow, I'm feeling so good. That was so beautiful. That was so powerful. 
And then I got back to my apartment and was just kind of sitting with it alone and just processing it. And I'm like, just back crying and just feeling it all. Um, so I'm just feeling very tender, I think is the right word. Just tender. And I feel like it did bring a lot up, which I know is normal. They did tell me at the end, it might feel a little worse before it feels a little better. And that's kind of where I'm at right now with it, just feeling a lot and it's just a lot to process. So just kind of sitting with that, but, um, working through that too, and just trying to navigate life in the midst of this healing, which can be kind of exhausting and navigate relationships and navigate friendships, which is a struggle for me, but we're working through it. And I'm genuinely so thankful for this healing work because I know it's going to lead to more wholeness and fullness. Um, and I'm so thankful that I've been invited into this healing work and that I said yes. And so I know it's going to pass and I'm going to feel more whole and full because of it, but it is a lot right now, but that is life. And I just, I want to share these real moments with you guys. And I want to be honest and vulnerable with you guys. Cause I never, ever want you to look at me on social media or hear me talking on this podcast, giving advice and think that I just have it all figured out or that my life is perfect. And I just know all the answers and I just, you know, I'm, I'm breezing through life, just floating through life with no struggles. Cause that is not reality. And spoiler alert, it's not for anyone. And so I always want to, in a way where I protect my peace, be honest and vulnerable with you guys that, hey, I'm working through a lot right now and I've cried a lot and, you know, my life isn't perfect. Um, I am a human and I'm still trying to navigate these, some like difficult parts of life as well. And um, yeah, I just want to be honest with you guys in that. But anyway, today's episode... (laughs) Since I am just thinking about my past, I wanted to just share my modeling journey with you guys. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people are intrigued by, the modeling industry, and especially a lot of young girls kind of look up to models and think it's just this glamorous thing. And so I honestly just wanted to share the truth behind the industry from what I saw and my story and what those almost four years looked like for me working as a fashion model full-time because I think it's not what people expect and it's not what people think when they see on social media. So let's just go back to the beginning of my modeling story. Um, It started when I was 17, so my senior year of high school, and I want to be completely honest and say that a lot of my desire to model fueled my eating disorder. Um, And so right off the bat, I was automatically just trying to fit those standards. And um, it started out, that industry started out from the very beginning, very unhealthy for me. And so my eating disorder had already began at this point. And I just had people telling me, oh, you should model. Have you thought about modeling? Because I was really tall. And I just had people telling me that. And so you know, the more people would say that, the more I was like, maybe this is something I could do. Like, is this something I could do? I don't know. Let me try. And I was kind of, I've kind of always been one of those people that's like, let me just try this in secret just in case it doesn't work out. So I don't look crazy for wanting to try, which I would not recommend that. I think that's something that a lot of us do is when we like have this big dream, but we're like, "Mm, maybe that's a little too big. Maybe I'll sound a little weird if I think I can do this. And we just keep it secret and quiet. 
um, I would not recommend that because you want people supporting you in it. You want people cheering you on. You want people that you trust on this journey with you to walk with you through it. So I would not recommend doing what I did, but I did do a lot of it in secret. And so I just decided one day, I was like, I want to go for this. The dream was on my heart. I wanted to go for it. And so I took, took it to Instagram and I DM'd some of the top modeling agencies. I was like, let me just try. And I DM'd them. I took some little pictures and I've watched them or I've looked at them back recently. I took some like videos of me walking too. Cause that's something you have to do walking in heels. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, sweet little Gabby. Uh, just want to give her a hug. But yeah, so I sent some photos through Instagram DMs. Um, I think I sent to IMG, Ford, uh, Elite Models, just some of those like more well-known ones because honestly, that's really all I knew. And so I sent some photos to them. Didn't really think anything would come out of it. I ended up with DMs back from all of them asking me to either email the photos to a certain email address or go to their website and submit them. And so I was like, okay, cool. Next step. Let's go. And so I took that next step and I ended up hearing like really following through with IMG. Um, and that was honestly my dream agency at the time. And so I ended up getting a meeting with them in person from one of their scouts who was in Dallas, Texas. And so I ended up doing that my summer after my senior year of high school So I was actually in OU for, I had committed to go to school there for at least the summer term and the fall term um, in their ballet department. So I was a ballet major and I had committed to that already. And so I was actually there during the summer, but Dallas is kind of close to Norman, Oklahoma, where OU is. And so I set up a meeting with one of the scouts from IMG. I met her in Dallas while I was going to school at OU in the summer. And I had a meeting with her. She took some photos. She looked at my walk. We had conversation and um, she sent it to the team. And then they got back to me and they were essentially just like, you need to commit more time to this. If it's something that you really want, you have to know that you want it and not just kind of do it on the side. Um, Because the ballet department at OU, when you are a ballet major, you are dancing a lot. And there's really no time for anything else. I didn't end up signing with them, but they were like, we would suggest you look locally and sign with a local agency and kind of start there and just see if it's something you actually want to pursue. And so I ended up doing that and I ended up meeting with uh, a local agency in Oklahoma. And so I went to meet with them. And when I met with her, she was like, I don't think you'll get a lot of work in Oklahoma because it is... um, more of a commercial market. So think ads that you see for like Target and stores like that. And she, I was more of editorial look, I guess you would say. And so she was like, I don't think you'll get any work in Oklahoma. I would love to sign you. We're going to sign you, but I want to connect you with my friend who's a mother agent. And essentially a mother agent is basically like a manager. So she's the one who connected me to my agency in New York, connected me to my agencies in Asia. So she kind of places you with other agencies and walks with you through your modeling journey. And so she connected me with her and she's based in Nashville, Tennessee. So I got connected with my mother agent and 
then just kind of started doing test shoots with them. So test shoots are free shoots where a photographer and the model collaborate and you both do it for free to build your portfolio. So portfolio is basically a book of all the work that you've done. And so when you're first starting out, you obviously don't have any work. So you work with photographers and do test shoots um, and just kind of collaborate together on that project. And so I started doing a few test shoots. I went to Nashville while I was at school for the summer or for the fall semester at this point. I took a weekend and went to Nashville and did some test shoots with my mother agent. And she, you know, gave me lessons on my walk and all of that. And so I was really just starting this journey and I was really feeling excited about it. And I, at the time, had spent my whole life training for a professional ballet career and honestly was feeling like it was time for me to leave that. But, you know, maybe I I should definitely do a story about my ballet journey because I think that's something that would be one, really healing for me to talk about and two, just really helpful for other people who have kind of walked away from a lifetime of doing that because it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, honestly. So anyway, I will do a separate episode on my ballet journey. So at the time I was just feeling kind of like ballet was not what I wanted to do all day, every day anymore. And I was honestly really scared to say that. I was really scared to say that. I was really scared to admit that. And I didn't know what else I would do. And modeling was something that I could just latch onto. that was really exciting that would kind of get me out of ballet without me having to say, I want to quit ballet. And I don't know what else I'm going to do. Like this just gave me kind of like an out from ballet. And so I latched onto it really fast. And I knew very quickly that college was not for me. I was struggling with some of the worst anxiety in my life while I was there. Even just the four weeks I was there in the summer, it was just really difficult time for me struggling with some really deep, really painful anxiety and um, really debilitating anxiety. And I ended up doing, finishing out the fall semester, of course. I literally drove away from my last day of college and drove straight to the airport and flew to New York. So this was like right before Christmas that year. And I went straight to New York and met with a ton of different agencies and came back home for Christmas and then got signed by an agency. And in early January, I moved to New York. And so I officially started my modeling journey then, I guess you would say, although I did a little bit before, but this is when I was like, I'm doing this full time. I want to pursue this. I moved to New York that January and jumped kind of headfirst into the industry. So I went and participated in my first New York Fashion Week, which kind of just threw me in headfirst. I knew nothing about the industry. And I started with New York Fashion Week, which is a lot. Um, But they cut 15 inches of my hair off. I was immediately trying to just conform to this image that they had for me. And I think that was honestly something that damaged me along the way. They just wanted me so bad to be this edgy that was always the word they used, this edgy person. And they wanted me to like command the room and, and be bold and just be this person that I'm literally not. Like, if you know me, you know, I'm not edgy. I'm like the least edgy person you will meet. I'm not a super like loud, bold person. It's just not my personality. And so I spent years striving to become this image that they thought I should be. And it just drew me even deeper into a dark place. I participated in my first New York Fashion Week. Nothing crazy happened. 
Um, I didn't get any really big shows, but I did walk in a few shows for my first fashion week, which everyone was like, that's great that you're at least doing something. Um, but in my mind, I was like, this isn't good enough. Like I was always striving for a big, big job. And now that I think back to it, I'm like, would I have ever thought anything was good enough? I don't know if I would have. So I was just con- caught in that striving mindset, which is so unhealthy. I did a few little shows and then I ended up staying in New York through, I came home for a few weeks at a time here and there this year, but I lived in New York probably for about seven months total before I wasn't really booking much work during that time. Um, and so my agent was like, I think we should send you to Asia to develop more. And that's what they say. So they will send you to these foreign countries for you to quote unquote develop more. Um, and basically in these foreign countries, you Typically, it's easier for you to book a lot of work. There's just a lot more opportunity to work. My mother agent was like, I think you should just go to Asia to develop a little more, to get a lot of work in your portfolio, get a solid portfolio, make some money, get some experience. I think that would be really good for you. And then you can come back to New York. And I was like, great, let's do it. Like, I'm scared of that, but I want to pursue this. So I'm going to do whatever you tell me is best. And that's kind of where I was at with my agents. Um, wasn't really thinking about how it aligned with my values or my life. I was just like, if you think this is going to help me succeed in this career in the way that I want to succeed, I will do it. I will trust you. And so I ended up going to Hong Kong. So this is my first Asian contract. I was 19 and I ended up going to Hong Kong for three and a half months. I was there through Thanksgiving, through Christmas. And let me tell you guys, this was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Um, It was really, I mean, just like mind blowing when I think back to it. I'm like, I don't even know how I did that. But basically I flew there by myself, ended up meeting with an agent in the airport, was so jet lagged. They took me to my model's apartment, which a model's apartment is an apartment that whatever agency you're signed with houses their models. So all the models with the agency usually live in these apartments. People come and go. People sleep. I mean, it's just bunk beds. It's usually not very nice apartments. And so my agent drove me to my apartment that I was going to be staying in. (laughs) And it was just really crappy, really dirty, a little sketchy in Hong Kong. And they took me to my room and it was literally the size of a closet. My suitcase wouldn't even fit in there. And only a bunk bed would fit in there. And I was rooming with a guy. And I was just like, oh, this is just how it is, I guess. And so I just sucked it up, cried myself to sleep and embarked on this three and a half month journey. And that journey was really wild. Um, I did end up working a lot, which I'm really thankful for. I had so many beautiful opportunities while I was there. I was in quite a few magazines, which was really cool. And it was just, I learned a lot. I mean, I always say that traveling alone will teach you more than any textbook ever could. And so I want to just make it clear that when I talk about my modeling experience and the difficulties and the, how toxic it was, I don't want you to think that I ever regret doing it because I am who I am today because of those experiences. I have the wisdom that I have today because of those experiences. And And just they shaped me and molded me in a way that nothing else could have. And so 
I am so forever grateful for those experiences and for the opportunities. And I just never want to come across that I'm not grateful for that because I really am. So I just want to start out by saying that as well. But I spent these three and a half months. It was one of the most isolating, difficult things I've ever done. As you can imagine, I was super homesick and it wasn't like I had this bunk bed and that was my space that I got to make my own for three and a half months. They would send us back and forth to mainland China, which Hong Kong is not a part of mainland China. It was actually a British colony until I think 1972. And so it's very westernized. It's actually pretty cool. And a lot of people speak English. There's English everywhere. So it was a lot more comfortable than mainland China. So they would send us into Guangzhou, which is in mainland China. And there was a model's apartment there as well. And I probably struggled the most when I got sent to Guangzhou because it was just a totally different experience. Like you just felt it in the air. It felt heavier. It felt darker. It felt not safe. And what my agency would do is they would send you an address in Chinese and I would be by myself as a 19 year old girl. They would send me an address in Chinese. I would have to go find a taxi by myself as a 19 year old girl in China alone. And this is something that I just at the time did not even realize how dangerous this was, but I would show the taxi driver the address in Chinese, get in their car and just hope that they would take me where I was supposed to go. And I look back on that and I'm like, wow, that was just honestly not okay that they would just send young girls out in China by themselves and just show them an address in Chinese to a random taxi driver. Like it's really not okay. And so anyway, I just spent months like just traveling back and forth. They would just put me on a train. I would go to China. I would stay there for a few days, hopefully have a bunk bed. Sometimes the apartments were full. So someone would be stuck on the couch And then I would come back to Hong Kong and hope that I would get to stay there longer. It was just constant fight or flight, constant fight or flight and constant, just never feeling good enough. Um, They're very upfront with you in China. And they would literally look at me and be like, you have too much baby fat on your face. That's why we don't want to book you for this job. You, your calves are too big. Maybe you should stop doing as much ballet so your calves won't be as muscular and big. They're too big in proportion to the rest of your legs. Like these are actual things that they would tell me. It was just the constant striving and they're like, your walk isn't good enough. Your personality's too dull. They would tell me all these things. And, um, you know, you try to have thick skin with that kind of stuff. And I tried to just be tough, but it was really, really challenging. And I think it was just creating these wounds because I would just shove them away it was really creating some wounds that I'm still um, obviously having to heal afterwards. Um, But it was just a really, really trying three and a half months. But I will say that I felt so proud of myself at the end of the three and a half months for um, walking through that. And I know I couldn't have done it without the Lord. And my relationship with the Lord has really evolved in big and mighty ways since that time in my life. But I do like go back and look at journal prompts and like look at random notes in my phone that I wrote during that time. And it was like, I know the Lord is with me and he's guiding my steps and I know he's with me and I know he's my strength and I know I'm going to see it through because of him. And so I know he was there with me and I can look back in hindsight and see like his like this orb of protection around me because there were so many situations that could have been really dangerous 
that I was just so shielded from. And I was honestly so oblivious to it at this point in my modeling journey. So anyway, that was my first kind of like big step in this modeling journey was going to Hong Kong for three and a half months. And I did that and I got a lot out of it, a lot of life lessons. I got a lot, I built my portfolio a lot. I got a lot of work and I learned a lot about the industry. I learned a lot about myself and I did gain a lot from that experience. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do though. And also wanted to say, usually when you are in these Asian countries, um, it's very rare to be there with an American. Most of the time, it's a lot of Russians, Russian models or Brazilian models. Um, that's typically the biggest chunk of models that are there. And I definitely met a few Americans while I was there. And it's usually an instant bond with the Americans <laughs> because it's like, you just, we understand each other. But that was just another very isolating thing about it is that, you know, when you're in a room with a bunch of Russians, they're not going to talk to you. And they're just going to talk in Russian, which is understandable, but it's just a very isolating thing. You already feel so isolated on the other side of the world. And when you add that to it as well, it's just really difficult thing. And so I really started experiencing this level of isolation during that time that was really trying and really difficult. But that was my first big modeling contract and um, gained a lot from it. And after that, I came back home for a little bit. So I came home after that and I was in contact with my mother agent and she was like, we should try to find you another Asian contract. <laughs> and I honestly didn't want to do another one after that. But again, I was such a people pleaser and I was like, well, if this is what she thinks is best for me, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to suck it up and just go against my intuition and just do what she says. And so um, I was at home for a few months and then I got a contract in Bangkok, Thailand for three months. And so I got back from Hong Kong that year in March. And then I didn't leave for Thailand until September 1st, I believe. So I was home for probably about six months. Um, and then I went to Thailand. And this trip was um, honestly... A snapping point for me with my eating disorder. So before that, you know, I, I did come into the industry with an eating disorder and where my body was not in a healthy place. And I automatically got praised for that body. And it's something I felt like I had to maintain in order to keep this approval and to keep this praise and to succeed in this industry. I felt like I had to maintain that body, which obviously was unhealthy. And I had it because of unhealthy behaviors. And so I felt like I had to sustain those behaviors. And when I was in Hong Kong, I actually started struggling with binging. And so I was in this really, really bad cycle of binging and restricting and binging and, and trying to over-exercise. And um, it was a really, really low point for me. Honestly, when I think back to that time in my life, the season of binging, and it was really strong in Hong Kong. And I believe it had to do a lot with the loneliness and the isolation that I was feeling as well, but definitely a result of restriction. Because as we know, restriction does that. Our bodies are very smart and they try to fight back and they try to protect us and keep us safe. And I know there were so many different components that went into it, but it was something that I was really wrestling with at that time. And I was gaining a little bit of weight as a result of that. Mind you, I was still not at a healthy place for my body, but my agent made a comment one time. <laughs> 
it just really triggered me. And, um, she said, I remember I was sending her digitals and this is something you have to do. So basically you have to send your agency, keep them up to date on what your body looks like basically. And so you have to send digitals, which are just photos of you in a bikini. Um, usually you take one in like a simple outfit. So like a tank top and black skinny jeans, that's one set of digitals. And then you have another set where you're just in a tiny black bikini and you have to send photos. You have to send videos of you walking videos of you introducing yourself. And so that was always my least favorite thing to do. Cause I always ended up having to take them by myself. And so I would just spend hours just picking myself apart in these photos and trying to find the best angles, the best lighting. And I was so destroyed after Hong Kong because I sent these digitals to my agent and I was already feeling so insecure. And I felt like I was losing my chances because I was struggling with binging and I had gained a little bit of weight. And she was, she sent me back a message after I sent her these particular digitals and I was already feeling so crap about them. Um, just from what I was speaking to myself and she was like, it's probably just the lighting. Cause I know you're my little dancer. She said something like that, but she was like, you look a little soft in these photos. Maybe let's try a different angle. And I just like, Ugh, that just, I remember that destroying me. And I remember having so many days of breakdowns just because of that one comment. And I felt like I was losing control, um, essentially in my life. And I felt like I was losing this opportunity just because, just because my body was changing a little bit. And I just look back to that and I just, uh, I'm getting a little emotional because I just want to give myself a hug. And I just, this was when I was really starting to believe that lie that the only thing I had to offer was a small body. Like that's the only thing that was going to bring me success. That was the only thing I had to offer this industry. I remember literally having the thoughts constantly that, oh, I'm not pretty like her. I'm not pretty enough. So the only thing I can provide this industry, the only way I can succeed in this industry is to be unhealthily small. And, um, gosh, I just let that take over. And, um, so the whole six months that I was home after Hong Kong, I was really wrestling with that and really struggling. It was probably one of the lowest points I've ever had with my body image and really struggling with the binging and restricting cycle. And which if you're in a season um, where you're struggling with binging, I want you to know you're not alone in that. I know that is something that can make you feel very alone, very out of control and very much like you're broken. And I want you to know that those are all lies and you can find freedom from that and you can find healing from that. And please talk to people about it because you're not alone. You're not alone in that. Um, but anyway, I continued to struggle with that the whole six months that I was at home and I just was trying so hard. I was like, I just need to be more disciplined. And I have these journals that I look back on and it was just me, like just all these calories just written out, trying to make these plans for myself to, you know, get back to where I was before. So I could succeed in this industry again. So I could feel better about myself. And I just was so hateful towards myself during those six months. Like I think those six months were the most hateful I've ever been towards myself. And it's all because I just wanted to please my agents. And it's all because that that's what I thought. That's the only thing I thought I had to offer this industry. And that's the only way I thought I could succeed in this industry and essentially like succeed in life. Cause I thought that was, this was it. I thought that's all I had to offer. The world was my body. Um, 
And so I really was struggling with that those six months. And then I ended up going to Thailand for three months. So this was really a breaking point for me with my eating disorder, because as you can tell, I was already in such a very fragile place with my eating disorder. And then I went to Thailand and the agency there every single Monday would weigh us. And if we gained any amount of weight, they would give us one week to lose it. And then they, if we didn't lose it, they would stop paying us. And so quite literally, I was, I mean, my income depended on that number on the scale. And that really fueled my eating disorder because I was like, oh, well, now I'm not just trying to do this for me. I'm literally doing this for my job, for my income. I have to do this. And so I really got snapped into a really bad mindset during that trip. Those three months were really difficult for me. And um, it just snapped a cord in me. And I remember each week trying to um, lose weight. And if I did, my agents would literally clap for me. And I was already in an unhealthy place to begin with. And I just look back on that time and I literally think they would have continued to clap for me until I dropped dead. And that sounds so morbid and intense, but it's literally the reality of the situation and the reality of that industry, especially in Asia. And so I spent those three months probably the most isolated. Um, I would not hang out with anyone. I would literally wake up at the crack of dawn just so I could get out of the model's apartment and stay out all day. And during this whole time that I was modeling, I was still doing ballet. And so I would just, it honestly was a very safe space for me because I had zero community in the modeling industry, it felt like. And so having those little ballet homes were, they honestly got me through. And so I'm very thankful for it, but it was also, I was scared to let that go. And, um, I just had to constantly busy myself to distract myself from what was going on inside. And I would leave before breakfast and I wouldn't come back until dinner time and I would eat dinner, get ready, go to bed. And that was just same routine every single day. And, um, I also had during Thailand, like some toxic things, like when I would book jobs and I would be at a job for like 12, I remember I was at a job for 12 hours one day and the only food they gave me was some fruit. <laughs> like that's all I had to survive on for 12 hours. And so there were just a lot of unhealthy things and they just didn't really treat the models well. Um, even down to like my hair. I literally had a job in Thailand where they taped my hair to a pillow. Don't ask. <laughs> I was a walking, um, I was a walking sleeping person. I literally looked like I was wearing a sleeping bag and they had our hair taped to pillows. So it looked like we were laying down <laughs> on a bed. And the best part about it is it was a fashion show for a mattress store that was opening in a mall. I was truly out there living my best life, you guys. <laughs> um, but they had my hair, they teased it, which is already bad for your hair. And then they taped it with literal tape to a pillow. And then they were just yanking the tape out of my hair afterwards. Like they just didn't really think much of taking care of the models. Um, anyway, so I just was, and I had to walk everywhere in Thailand and it was so hot and it was just um, honestly very difficult. And I remember towards the end, I had so many breakdowns because I, I knew at this point, like my eating disorder had taken control of me 
like before that, I felt like I still had a little bit of control. Like I could choose to, to give into my eating disorder or I could just choose not to, but it was like this point, like it had taken over and I could tell it had taken over because I am someone who has always struggled with health anxiety. Um, and honestly, I can't say that I do anymore. I found a lot of freedom from that. And that is such a testimony to the Lord and his grace. But my whole life, that was a very big struggle for me. And I knew my eating disorder was a problem when, when my fear of gaining weight outweighed my fear of something going wrong with my health. And I just remember a couple moments, like I remember one vivid moment in Thailand where I was just walking after ballet class, it was super hot and I blacked out (laughs) while I was walking. And, um, luckily I didn't like fall to the ground, pass out, but everything went black for a moment. And then it kind of came back and I just had this like breakdown because I knew I was not taking care of myself, but I also knew that my fear of stepping on that scale at the agency and the number being higher was far greater than (laughs) my fear of passing out. And that's when I knew there was a problem, but I felt so much like this was just something that I had to do that I just felt like I had to suck it up. And so I continued on and I was not open. Like I would talk to my parents and I would be like, oh yeah, they weigh us every week. It's so stupid. Like, I can't believe they do that. But internally I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make them happy. Like I need to please them. I need to, you know, lose weight every week. I need to do whatever, like to achieve this. And, um, I would shrug it off to people that I was close to and I wouldn't fully let them in. And I would not, I didn't tell anyone. I still hadn't told anyone at this point that I was struggling with an eating disorder. And I just was so disconnected from my feelings and my emotions. I honestly didn't even know how I was feeling. I couldn't even tell you how I was feeling at that point. But I just remember towards the end of those three months, just having breakdowns because I knew I needed to go home. I knew I have this video of me literally sobbing on my phone. um, And I just was saying, I need to go home. I need to go home um, because I knew that it was killing me being there. By the grace of God, I made it back home after that trip and everything was fine. Um, But my eating disorder was still in control and I still wasn't opening up to anyone. But I came back after that trip. And during that trip, again, I booked some really beautiful jobs. I was actually in Vogue, Thailand. I had like eight pages in Vogue, Thailand, which to me was like this really big thing and it sounded really cool but in my mind it was like that's still not good enough because it's just thailand it's not vogue us it's just vogue thailand so it means nothing and i would just so like discredit literally everything that i did and i was like it's not good enough yet like i need good enough and i remember this was the time as well that i kind of developed this mindset of like oh i can't heal from my eating disorder until i achieve what I want in this industry. I'm not opening up to anyone until I achieve what I want. And then, then my struggles will be valid enough for me to open up because I succeeded with something. That was the mindset that I had around my eating disorder at that point and around the industry. And so anyway, I came back from Thailand. I spent the month of December at home for Christmas. And then in January, um, 2019, I went back to New York to try for fashion week again. And I vividly remember going back to my agency after Thailand and my agent in New York. And she was like, did you lose weight while you were in Asia? 
And I was like, um, you know, a little nervous. I was like, maybe a little bit. I don't really know. And she was like, you look amazing. And I was like, and I also remember sending like digitals to my agent and she was like, wow, look at that six pack. And just like praising my body that I was literally killing myself to have. And I just was getting so, it was just burning a hole in me, honestly. Um, and I think my eyes were kind of at this point being opened to the fact that I, this just does not align with me and what I believe in, but I was still so caught up in it that I felt like, and still so caught up in the fact that I needed to have this big job and succeed that I just didn't say anything. And I kept it all to myself and it was literally eating me alive. Um, but I went back to New York and I again, participated in fashion week and this fashion week was a little different. Um, I actually was getting a lot of interest and I got this call one day um, as I was walking around New York. I got this call from my agent and she was like, um, I don't know if you guys know the brand Celine, but it's a pretty large brand. And they, I went to a casting for them and a couple days later, um, I got a call from my agent and she was like, Celine loved you and they want to fly you to Paris tomorrow to meet with the designer to possibly walk exclusive for their show in March. And I was like, uh. like, I just remember being on such a high. I was so giddy. I was like, this is it. Like, finally, it's all going to be worth it. My eating disorder is going to be worth it. All of these modeling trips are going to be worth it. All this hard work, all of this is going to be so worth it because I'm about to book this one job that I have been waiting for and that I've been working for and that I've literally been killing myself for. This is going to be it. Like, this is it. And I was so excited. I flew to Paris the next day. It literally felt like a dream. I was just on a high of this approval and, and this, the worldly desires. I was just on such a high of that. Um, and so I flew to Paris and I went to, um, I went straight from the airport to this casting for Celine. And I remember having a conversation like with the casting director and she was like, oh, I was stalking your Instagram and I saw your ballet dancer. The designer actually loves like ballet. You should talk to him about it. And I was like, oh, cool. This is great. Like they, they like me. Like this is looking really good. Like I don't want to get my hopes up, but this is looking really good. Um, and I was kind of getting my hopes up a little bit. And so I went into this casting and I met the designer and it was really so cool. Again, it felt like a dream and um had a conversation about ballet and it seemed like everything went really well and then i went back to my little hotel room that for the first time i like didn't have to pay for like they put me up in the hotel room and it felt like such this dream it felt so cool and i again was just on high of everything i woke up at 6 a.m the next day to go see the eiffel tower by myself and i drank coffee by the eiffel tower and I just felt like I was on such a high of everything. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is my moment. This is the moment that I've, like I said, been working so hard for. Um, so I went to that casting. I spent, like, I think I had a half a day the next day or most of the day. My flight wasn't until the evening um, to just explore Paris by myself. It was my first time in Paris. It was actually my first time in Europe. Um, the only, Paris is the only place I've been in Europe still, which I'm like, I need to change that. I was just on such a high. Um, and then I came back to New York and the waiting began. 
And so I waited, I don't remember how long I waited, but it was probably like a week before I heard back that I, they decided to not book me for the job. And I just remember this being um, a very, very, very low moment. And I just remember thinking like, wow, like if, if I can't even book a job looking like this, like what good am I? Like, I just attach so much of um, my worth to this career and to this industry. And I just put so much of my value and my worth in my appearance and booking these jobs for modeling that when I didn't get that yes from this dream job, I thought I was crushed and I took it all on myself. And I remember like watching the Celine show that season and being like, wow, yeah, I see why they didn't pick me. Like this person's more beautiful than me. This person's more this, they're more this, they're more this. And um, just really taking it so personally and picking myself apart. And I remember just having these thoughts of like, just really doubting my worth in this life. And I look back on that time and I'm just so sad for myself. Um, But anyway, came back from that and I was really destroyed and I, but I stayed in New York for the next couple of months um, until I, my agency was like, maybe you should travel again. And at this point I had already told her like, I am done. Actually, I got a contract in Tokyo. I got an offer for Tokyo. Um, This was right after the Celine job didn't go through. And I remember just like having this breakdown about it because I was such a people pleaser and I was scared to disappoint my agent. But I remember telling her, I was like, I cannot do Asia again. I don't think it's healthy for me. And I just really don't think I can do this. And I just remember one of my particular agents calling me and being like, you can't give up. You can't do this because of Celine. So many girls would kill to have this opportunity in Tokyo. Like, I can't believe you're saying no to this. I can't believe you're turning down this opportunity and really just guilting me into going. And this was the first time that I actually stood up for myself. And I was really proud of myself for doing this, but I actually stood up for myself and I was like, I just cannot do this right now. And she was like, I can't believe you're letting Celine, like you're letting this no keep you from going for it. She's like, I just can't believe you're doing that. It was just really guilting me into this. And I am thankful that I, you know, proud of myself for standing up for myself at that time. Um, But then I ended up staying in New York for the next couple of months. And then I ended up coming home in the summer. This was in 2019. I came home for a little bit and then I got a contract in Mexico City. And my agent was like, Mexico is so different from Asia. They treat you so much better there. It's such a different experience. So many models love it so much. And so I think you'll really like this. You should try this. And I was like, okay, whatever. I wasn't really getting much work in New York at the time. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll go. And so I came home for a couple of weeks after New York before I left for Mexico City. And while I was there, (laughs) my wisdom tooth got infected. And I just like woke up one day with half of my face was swollen. And um, I ended up like running fever. And it was just honestly a really scary time because I knew my body was not in a healthy place and was having, I had the worst panic attack of my life during this time. I was alone. I literally had 911 dialed on my phone. My parents were in Africa at the time. So I was alone at the house. And I literally had 911 dialed on the phone because I thought I was having a heart attack and I did not know how to 
stop this panic attack. It was one of the worst ones I've ever had. Um, but I ended up getting my wisdom tooth out, my wisdom teeth out, and then still felt like I had to follow through with this contract to Mexico City, even though everything in my spirit said no. Everything in my spirit said no. But I was like, I have to do it. I have to please them. A week after I got my wisdom teeth out. I went to Mexico, I was still on antibiotics, still had holes in my mouth, still had stitches in my mouth. I ended up going to Mexico City for this two-month contract. And um, my anxiety was probably the worst it's ever been during this season. I felt like when, the whole time I was in Mexico, I felt like there was just someone sitting on my chest. Like I had the worst chest pressure. I was struggling to breathe. My heart rate was actually really low due to my... Um, situation with my health and my eating disorder, I was getting notifications on my Apple watch that my heart rate was too low. And I just knew, I mean, all alarms in my body were going off. Like I needed to, to stop. Like if I didn't stop this, I was going to do something really permanent and potentially like ruin my life. Um, and so I actually ended up opening up to my parents right before Mexico about my eating disorder. And so that was a really big thing, but I still felt like I needed to go to Mexico city just to please people and to, um, hopefully succeed in this industry. So I ended up going to Mexico city and a week after being there, I was sick as a dog, sick as I've ever been. I ended up with three strains of E. coli, Shigella, which is a form of dysentery and a virus all at once. And as someone who was already, not in a healthy place. That was actually really dangerous. And I look back at that time and it is a gift from the Lord. It is a miracle. His hand was on me. He was protecting me. And the fact that I did not end up in a hospital in Mexico and the fact that I literally was the sickest ever, like running a 103 fever, could not stay away from the toilet, like sickest I've ever been one day. And I went to the doctor in Mexico, which was a whole experience in itself. Went to the doctor in Mexico. They prescribed me an antibiotic. The next day, I had no more fever and I was well enough to fly home, which that was a miracle in itself. But I did end up leaving that contract early because I was sick. And honestly, I just knew I could not heal. I knew I could not get my body in a healthy place if I had stayed there. And I feel so, again, so thankful and so proud of myself for standing up for myself during that time. So I went to Mexico, I came back home and I actually had opened up to my mother agent about my eating disorder, which was also really big, but I was like, I just need some time to heal. Um, I'm really struggling with this. This is a thing in my life and I really need some time at home to heal before I go back into this. And so cute me thought a month was a long, long enough time to really heal. And then I could go back into modeling and it would be healthy. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself now. Um, that was really cute of me to think that, but <laughs> I stayed home for a month and I was like, okay, I'm going to heal. And, um, not much happened. I obviously healed from, you know, the sickness that I had in Mexico. It did take my digestive system a long time to get back to normal, but ended up like, you know, healing from that a little bit and gained a little bit of weight, but I knew I was going back to New York for fashion week that August. So I was like, I need to, you know, obviously I can't gain too much weight because I still want to succeed in this career. And so I really was not healing. Um, I dipped a toe into recovery at that point, but definitely did not step into it. Um, but anyway, I went back to New York and actually this was when I started my 
certification online to become a holistic health coach. This is when I started that journey um, at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And this honestly, this program really started planting seeds in my mind um, for healing. And so I went back to New York after about a month of being home. I went back to New York and participated in Fashion Week again. And nothing really happened that Fashion Week. I got a lot of, I got really close to a lot of good jobs, but they ended up dropping me last minute. And I remember telling people, I was like, my specialty in this career is getting really close to big jobs and not actually getting them. (laughs) Um, That's just kind of how I felt. And it was honestly really exhausting. It was really exhausting. And I felt like I just really didn't have anything to offer. Um, and so I booked a couple small shows that season, but nothing really happened. And so my agent was like, my mother agent was like, you got an offer to go back to Tokyo. Um, I think you should really take it because Tokyo is like the New York of Asia. They treat you really well. And so many girls would kill to have this opportunity. You had this opportunity and we thought you would never get it again, but you've gotten it again. And so we really think you need to take this. And at this point I was like, well, I've got nothing else to offer. Might as well give it a try. Um, So sad. But again, I was doing school online at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I remember around this time, just them talking about the importance of career fulfillment and your health. And I remember just thinking this is the last, the furthest thing from fulfilling and it's actually killing me. Um, And I just remember around this time, my eyes were really being opened to this industry and how much it did not align with who I was as a person. And it did not align with what I wanted to do for my life. I remember thinking like so many times, like, just it was eating me alive. The fact that I was literally killing myself to look like, yeah, my social media looks like I was living this glamorous life. And, you know, people might've been looking up to me for having this glamorous life when in reality I was killing myself and behind closed doors, I had never been more miserable. And that was really eating me alive. And I just remember having so many moments where I was like, is this really what I want to be known for? Like, do I really want to quote unquote, inspire girls to look like me when it's unhealthy that I'm looking like this, I would never want to do that to another person. And I just remember this eating me alive at this time. And I just remember like having so many moments where I was like, this is really not the value I want to bring to this world. Cause I don't believe this is value at all. And it's literally killing me. And so my eyes were really being open to that at this point. And I was actually for the first time kind of being pointed back to my values, and how much this did not align with my values. And I just see the Lord <laughs> just really opening my eyes at this time. And I actually got, um, before I left New York. So I left New York, I think at the beginning to mid September of 2019 to go to Tokyo, but I came home for like a week before I went to Tokyo to pack and everything. But right before I left New York, I got my tattoo on my wrist, which is a little cross. And I remember getting that tattoo because I just needed that reminder that I was not alone. Um, cause I felt so alone and I felt so isolated and I knew I was about to go back to Asia to feel alone and isolated. And I just, um, look back on this time and just see this tattoo. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea that my life was about to be changed because of the Lord and his guidance. And I just think it's really special. But anyway, so I was really starting to, um, lean on the Lord a little more in this season and kind of realize that 
you know, I had wanted so badly to just keep my life in my control and do what I wanted to do. I like to say I used to live with the Lord instead of living for the Lord. And I was kind of realizing at this time that I don't really want, I don't really know what's best for me. And I don't want to keep trying to control everything because it's actually controlling me. And um, I think the beauty in this is that I need to surrender. Um, And I was kind of just, eyes were being open to that. And so anyway, I came home for a little bit and then I went to Tokyo, um, left on that journey. And I remember just praying um, that the Lord would kind of open my eyes to whether or not I need to stay in this industry. I remember that was like a prayer that I was praying. And let me tell you, he was faithful to answer that. (laughs) Tokyo, I definitely talked about this in my recovery story. So um, definitely go listen to that story because Tokyo was insane. But I got there and immediately I got there and I was in a model's apartment. It was me and eight other Brazilian girls and they were, they lived opposite lifestyles of me. And that alone is a very isolating feeling, but they were actually kind of mean to me. They would shine flashlights in my face when I was trying to sleep. I would go to the shower and they would run in front of me and slam the door and laugh at me. I would be eating. They would be over there like looking at me laughing and just very, very isolated. And I would just cry myself to sleep. I would have panic attacks all the time. And I just had never felt so isolated and alone. And so that was one thing I ended up talking to my agent and I got moved to another model's apartment with this sweet girl, but she was honestly the thinnest girl I've ever seen in my life. And she was just talking about how toxic the industry was and how she used to get told she was too big. And now she's getting told she's too small. And just, it's just like, what am I supposed to be? You know, like, and so that was just eating me alive. And, and then I remember, um, I was just having multiple panic attacks every single day, feeling like I couldn't let go of my eating disorder because it was the only thing that I felt like was going to bring me success in this industry. And so as long as I was in this industry, I felt like I had to hold on to that. And that was eating me alive. And, you know, I was just doing this really aligning with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, everything they were teaching me. And I knew the life I was living did not align with any of that. And that was eating me alive and planting seeds in my mind. And then you guys, this is when it gets really crazy, but (laughs) really intense. But um, I found out that my agency was supporting prostitution. There was a designer there that would pay girls to um, sleep with him. He would book them for jobs if they would sleep with him. He was a very well-known designer and my agency was aware of girls that were doing it and they supported it because it got them jobs and money. And I was like, Ooh, that's eating me alive. I don't, that's not okay. I don't align with that at all. And that's going to eat me alive. And then they, the agents, some of the agents would do hardcore drugs with the models. And I was like, okay, that doesn't align with me. And then there was a typhoon. There was an earthquake final straw for me. I was walking one day. If that wasn't enough, I was walking one day and this giant black bird swooped down and hit me in the head. And that's when I was like, I'm out. Like, this is it. I'm not meant to be here. I need to get out and I need to get out fast. And I had a conversation with my agent. And again, this was so hard for me because it's really looked down upon to leave these contracts early. I was supposed to be there for two months. All of this had happened within the span of three weeks. And so I'd only been there for three weeks. And um, I just was feeling like... I mean, it just felt obvious that I needed to leave at this point. And so I called my agent, told her everything, um, and was definitely by one of my other agents kind of really guilted into staying. But I stood my ground. I was like, no, I literally need to leave. 
everything in my spirit was telling me to leave. And I'm so, again, I look back and I'm so proud of myself, honestly, for standing up for myself and for leaving. I ended up having to pay my way out of it. So I ended up leaving Tokyo and again, I'm a little stubborn. So I was like, okay, I need to come home and heal and I just need a little break again. And then I'm going to try to go back to New York. I think it's just Asia that doesn't sit well with me. So I'm going to go home, spend a month healing through the holidays, silly me. Um, and then I'll go back into modeling and I'll be in a healthy mind play mindset. <laughs> Again, I was so cute thinking I could recover from an eating disorder of years in a month. <laughs> so cute of me. Um, so optimistic. I'll give myself that. But anyway, so I came home, didn't really do much because of course I wanted to go back into modeling, but I ended up meeting with agencies that December to, um, December, 2019 to sign with a new agency because I, um, well, I dropped my old agency and wanted to sign with a new one. So I ended up meeting with like 20 different agencies, like a lot of agencies in New York, um, to hopefully sign with a new one. And then I went back home for the holidays and I didn't end up hearing back from any of the agencies, which wasn't a good sign. Um, and it was like the end of January at this point. And so at this point I was actually, and this should have been a sign, but I was actually really excited that I hadn't heard back. Cause I was like, wow, I literally can't go back. Like this is an excuse to stay home and spend more time healing and have a little freedom from this industry. Um, this is like, an excuse to get to do that. And this should have been a sign that I clearly didn't want that anymore. But, um, I ended up getting a call or a message from my agent at the end of January saying there was an agency that wanted to sign me and they wanted me in New York the next week for fashion week. And everything in my spirit was like, no, like every, it just felt so wrong. And again, I was struggling a lot with, people pleasing and just like feeling like I couldn't say no. And like, I couldn't turn this down and like, I couldn't turn down an opportunity. I have a big, um, and this is something I still struggle with sometimes. Like every time I get an opportunity, I feel like I have to say yes to it. Cause I'm scared that I'm going to miss something that was meant for me, which I'm, it's a daily surrender, giving that to the Lord. And he's helping me heal that. But I have major FOMO at the time. And I was just so worried that I would just say no to something that I was supposed to be doing and I would miss out on opportunities or that might've been the fashion week that I had my big break and I got that big job, but everything in me was like, you need more time to heal. And my goodness, now, obviously in hindsight, this was February, 2020. If I had gone to New York for fashion week, I would have been stuck there during COVID. And that would have just been not good. I would have been very unwell if that was the case. I'm sure my mom would have like driven up there to get me. Um, but it just would have been not good. And, um, I can just see the Lord, the Lord's protection over me in that, in that decision that I made. And again, I'm so proud of myself for making that because I cried for days over it. But, um, I just, I ended up telling my mother agent like, Hey, I'm really struggling. And I really just need to spend time healing. And I was like, I don't think I can give you a timeline. I told her, it's like, I don't think I can give you a timeline. I don't think I can put a timeline on this. I just think I need to, to heal and I'll let you know when I'm feeling ready to come back. And I didn't really end it because I was scared to end it. But um, 
then COVID happened and everything shut down. And it really, that time of my life, and obviously I say this in no way, obviously do not wish any that COVID happened like on anyone. Cause I know it was so devastating for so many people, but in my life, it really blessed me in the sense that it forced me out of the modeling industry. It forced me to be still. It forced me to slow down and it forced me out of the modeling industry long enough for me to slow down, align my life with my values, spend time with the Lord and realize that that life that I was living is not the life that I want to continue living. And I do not want to be a part of that industry anymore. It just does not align with any of my values at all. And I just don't want to be a part of it anymore. And I would not have seen that. I just, I know myself and I know how stubborn I was. And I'm sure I would have tried again and tried again um, and continued like being kind of like addicted to it and like trapped in that industry had COVID not happened. And I just feel so thankful for that season that I was forced to slow down for the first time in my life and just be. And um, again, like just align my life with my values, surrender my life to the Lord and continue like spend more time with him and live a slower life. It was just, I had to be forced to do that in order to realize I needed it. And in order to see my life more clearly and my value more clearly and uh, what I valued in this life and So I would say it wasn't until about the summer of 2020 when I realized I don't want to go back to modeling. Um, And I don't think I was like saying that out loud until maybe like the fall when I actually started my um, holistic health coaching business. I started it in September 2020, I think. And so it wasn't until then that I actually felt strong enough to say to people that's the thing about modeling it people are really intrigued and really excited about it and so I would constantly like anytime I would go to church people would be asking me like oh where are you going next like what's next and everyone's just like so excited and it felt like my life was a performance and I felt like I had to live up to that and so it took me having that time not around people with COVID to accept it so that I then could proudly and confidently say, I actually, that was very toxic and I just don't really, I'm not doing it anymore. And it was really hard for me to say that honestly. And I think that goes to show how much I was just like striving for the approval of others and like how it was kind of like, um, I was living for that high and that approval of other people. Cause it took me a lot of time to, one, just like find peace saying that and two, to like confidently say it. And now I will straight up tell you like that industry almost killed me. I hated it. It does not align with my, I didn't hate it. Thankful for it, obviously, but it doesn't align with my values and I just don't want to do it anymore. And I can confidently say that now, but at the time, like a couple, a few years ago, it like pained me to say that I like, I was like, oh yeah, I think I'm just, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. And like, I was just so timid with it. Um, and I just feel so thankful that I have the clarity and the, and the peace, the internal peace now that I can confidently say that doesn't align with me. And, um, this is what I'm doing now. And honestly, it's like, I don't really care what other people think about that because I feel so much fulfillment in it. And that's such a beautiful place to be in. And I think that's a place we're meant to be in. Um, and I feel really thankful. So that's my modeling story. Um, that was a lot, um, I feel like that was a lot. This is definitely going to be a longer episode, but I honestly just wanted to share that because I wanted to share honestly for a few reasons. One of those being that like social media is not reality. 
during the time that I was modeling, everyone thought I was living my best life and just living this glamorous life, but I had never been more miserable, lost or unfulfilled or unhealthy. And so I just want to remind you guys that a lot of the time when you see these people's lives on social media, like you just, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You really don't. And so I want to share this story to one, say that. Um, and honestly, there are many, many things you can take from this story, but also just that like you are worth so much more than your body. And um, as someone who was in that career, who, you know, my success literally depended on my body. I never once felt fulfilled, fulfilled from that. And I'm so thankful looking back in hindsight. And I know this is the Lord's protection. Like I remember in the midst, like when I was waiting for that Celine job and waiting for other jobs, I would just pray, pray, pray like, Lord, please, I pray that you give me this job. Like I promise I'll utilize it well. And just like desperately praying for jobs. And I was just so confused. I'm like, why, why don't you give these, like, why don't you answer this prayer? I'm just so confused. Like, what am I doing this for? Why did you lead me here? And I was just so lost. And I can look back now and I'm so thankful that I never got those jobs because that would have meant that I would have felt stuck in that industry any longer or longer. And I would have felt obligated to stay in my eating disorder longer because that's how I booked the job. And I just know it could have ended really bad had I gotten a job like that. And I think the Lord just needed to show me, Hey, that's not where your peace comes from. That's not where your approval comes from. That's not where your purpose comes from. And I feel so thankful that that was never really validated for me because I was able to step away and find my peace and my purpose and my value in eternal things and things that really matter and not the way that I look, not my body. And I just want to scream that from the rooftops that if you are on this trajectory of people pleasing and trying to find your worth in your body, that is never going to satisfy. Finding your worth in the things of the world is never going to satisfy. And I feel like when you just shift the perspective and start living with an eternal perspective, so a perspective on what is going to last and what, you know, what, how you're caring for your soul and that wisdom that you're filling your soul with and the nourishment that you're feeding your soul with and that you're pouring out into others, what's going to make lasting impacts on people's lives. Like that's an eternal perspective. What is really going to matter at the end of your life? When you think about this kind of morbid, but when you think about at your funeral, what are people going to say about you? That, that is what an eternal perspective, um, the things of the world, they're going to be gone one day, the money, your body, the way you look like it's all so temporary. So if we put our worth and our happiness in the things of the world, it is never going to satisfy. And I will tell you, you know, when I was on that high thinking I was going to book this really good job, I crashed so hard after. And because I was putting my happiness in my circumstances and in these things of this world, I never felt more low than when I lost that. And that's just the reality of the world. Like we will, these things are so fleeting, the things of the world. And so that's why like, it's so important to do this inner work and heal and um, why it's been so important and so life-changing for me to deepen my relationship with the Lord and find my worth and my value in him and not the world and not the people of the world. That has just, that is 
the source of who I am today and why I've had this complete 180 in my life. It's because of the ways that it's because of him and his kindness and his love and the ways that I have just shifted my perspective. And I just, I want this for all of you. Like I look back on my younger self who was just striving and, you know, just feeling so low about myself and my value. And I just want to give her a hug. And I just want to give all of you guys a hug because I want you to know there's something so much better for you out there. And I know it's scary, but please like speak up and get help no matter what you're going through. And and I want to talk to people too, who have like, feel like there's this pressure for them to do a certain thing to like go to school, to be this, to be a doctor. Like if you're feeling that pressure from the world, but it doesn't feel like it aligns with your heart, please, please follow what aligns with you. Um, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to be 50 years old and realize that you have just spent a life busying yourself and doing work that you don't find fulfillment in. You don't want that. And I don't want that for you either. And so I just want to encourage you guys to just to seek out support, seek out help, seek out wise counsel, having people in your life that can give you a perspective that really cares about you and, and that wants to lead you to a more fulfilling life. And just, you are not meant to walk through this alone. I also look back on, um, my younger self who was striving and living in the, you know, living into that, those worldly desires and just so into the modeling industry. I, I look at my younger self and I'm like so much of that. Um, I could have saved myself from so much pain and brokenness had I just let people in um, and talked to people and gotten help and had community. Like I would have saved myself from a lot of that. And so I want to, um, you know, I, I've known from like day one that I opened up about my eating disorder publicly that I wanted to be the person that I needed when I was going through it. And I wanted to turn that pain into purpose. And, um, that's why I continue to share my story because I care about you guys and I don't want you to have to walk through what I did. And I want you to know you're not alone if you're struggling with all of this, but there's so much freedom for you and you do not have to live like this forever. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. I could go on and on. I'm sure this is, I feel like it's a very, very long episode. I could go on and on for days about this topic, but I want you to know you're so seen, you're so loved and your value and purpose in this world lies far beyond your appearance, far beyond your body. You were created on purpose and for a purpose for such a time as this. And I want you guys to see that. And if you can't see that, please get help, go to therapy, um, talk to friends, talk to a pastor, talk to someone that can help you heal your mindset so you can see that. And so you can live into the purpose that you were created for because it's big and it's beautiful and you are needed in this world as a whole full version of you. Um, I love you guys. I hope this brought you some encouragement. I'm here for you and I, um, am really thankful for you. Truly very thankful for you, for everyone, especially if you listened to this whole episode, it was a long one. Um, but yeah, I just hope it brought you some encouragement and, um, yeah, I love you guys so much. So thankful for you. Uh, don't forget to rate the show, leave a review if you want, share it on social media if you want. Yeah. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you next week.